All right. Good morning, everybody. There's a lot, a lot of people in here. I just instrumental. All right, so if you are new with us, welcome. I'm Ryan. This is Chris. This is Aaron. This is Aaron, who's also married to Aaron. And Aaron's not married. That we know of. So uh, we'll get started. All right, Jesus, we just ask for your presence here this morning. Um, we thank you for, uh, for the, this community, for these people. Um, let's pray that everybody here today, um, wherever we're at, that we hear your voice. Um, we feel your spirit. We just, uh, just invite you to do whatever you want to do, God. But I pray that uh, nobody leaves without encountering you, even on some, some level, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand if you want to. Thanks, Annette. Solidarity. I appreciate it. Lift up your keys, be lifted up. Everyone, how great the love, the love come down from heaven's gates to kiss the earth with hope and grace. Sing, who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Lift up your hands, be lifted up. Let the redeemed declare the love. And we bow down at heaven's gate to kiss the feet of hope and grace. Sing, who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? There is one God. He is holy, there is one Lord over everything, there is one King, He is Jesus, King of glory, strong and mighty, there is one God, He is holy, there is one Lord over everything, there is one King, He is Jesus, King of glory, strong and mighty. 
You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. Of 
occupation. Oh, the joy to share in your reward. The stunning turn of new creation. Let our things rise and bless your name. All things may right and new again. Let all things rise and bless your name. All things may rise and new again. Oh, Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless. It's reaching endless through it all. Just as you promised, God, your son was raised. In him we'll follow, in him we'll all be raised. Oh Lord, you may. Heaven and earth forever All things once so In weakness you raise in promise Your beauty arches above it all Let all things rise and bless your name all things may right and new again. Oh, Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless. It's reaching endless through it all. All right, Jesus, we thank you. That you're the, the God of the big picture uh, beyond what we can comprehend. I just thank you that we, when we stop and we look, we can see, see your goodness, God. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Amen. Hopefully I'm on. Testing one, two. I might need to give myself just a little bit of volume. Hold on. Um, this morning, we are going to have some communion. Remember Christ's sacrifice for us. Dave and Bob are getting that together for us. Thank you, guys. So I want to pray over the elements. Um, just so you guys know, they're all self-contained. So there's not the sharing of germs among us yet. That day will come. 
<laughs> it's coming soon. It's on the horizon. I feel it. So let's bless it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, God. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. All that you're currently doing for us. And all that you will be doing for us in the future. Jesus, we praise you that the God we serve is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The God who was and is and forever will be. Lord, you spoke us into being. You spoke these elements into being. So, Lord, would you bless it? Lord, we take this communion in remembrance of the sacrifice that you made for us, God. Lord, we're talking about the beginnings of that in our text this morning. As you go to trial before Pilate and you stand before him accused of something you didn't do. Jesus, conversely, we're, we've messed up. We've made mistakes. And you covered it all. Jesus, you did all the work. All we have to do is just say yes to you. So, Jesus, this morning we say yes to you. And we take this bread and we take this juice in remembrance of what you did for us, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was thinking this morning, kind of remembering back about it was it was this time last year that stuff started happening. Um, I was looking at uh, some of my memories from last year, and I think next week is when stuff started to close down and stuff shut down. And so it's been almost a full year now that we've been in this kind of odd space, um, this time where the Lord, I feel like, I, so for those of you who don't know, we got a new little kitten. Um, Cormac named him Merlin. Um, I think his name should have been Loki because he's a little bit like wily and crafty and crazy. Um, but he, he gets into things and he does stuff and he's just, he's just this crazy little kitten. And sometimes he'll be like, he'll like go upside down on my leg and like grab me and stuff. And so I grab him by the scruff of his neck because that's what mama cats and daddy cats do is they grab him by the scruff of their neck and I pull him off me and I set him down. And whenever I do that, he sits there for a minute and he's like, okay, I think I just got controlled. <laughs> I think I just got schooled. I think somebody bigger than me just got my attention. And I feel like this last year, that's what the Lord has done with us. We were just kind of going along, doing our own thing, messing around, not really paying attention, doing church as usual, being followers of Jesus as usual, just kind of just going with stuff, going with the flow. And the Lord grabbed the whole world by the scruff of its neck and held it for a moment and stopped what we were doing. 
and controlled us for just a bit and held us there. Said, pay attention. What have you been up to? What are you doing? What are you intending to do? Where are you going? And we have a choice. At that point, we can be like my little kitten and stop for a minute and then go on to ravage the next thing. (laughs) Or we can take this moment and this time and really hear what it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's showing us a new way. He's giving us a new path. He's opening up theology. He's opening up scripture. He's opening up through his Holy Spirit. He's speaking a new word. He's, He's bringing new wine. And there's a scripture that talks about if you try to put new wine in an old wineskin, it'll burst and it'll break. And so I feel like it's incumbent on all of us to see if we have that new wineskin that can hold this new wine. Because if we use the old one, it's just going to burst. Because it's that whole fermentation process. I'll just blow it up. Because it can't contain what God's doing. And uh, this little thing I put up here. This last year I've had, um, you know, I've talked a couple of times on Sunday morning where I've wrestled with some depression and anxiety and fear and things that I've never wrestled with my whole life. It's just not who I am. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a little bit of a golden retriever. I'm just kind of, I go along, I'm happy. Hey, good to see you. Hey, I love you. Let me give you a lick or a hug or, you know, (laughs) dusty hug, golden retriever lick. Um, But, you know, that's just kind of generally my my demeanor is is that. And this last year, um, I just, I really wrestled with a lot of existential dread. Like, just that I've never wrestled with in my life before. And um, so I, I noticed that, and I, and I, the reason I'm talking about this is because Jesus is going before Pontius Pilate in our text this morning, and he's standing accused before Pilate. And I imagine Jesus, who knew all this was coming, who in the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, if you would let this cup pass for me, I don't want to go through this. I imagine Jesus standing there before Pilate was feeling this existential dread because he knew what was coming. The amazing thing about our God is that he gets us. And he knows us. And when we're going through something hard, when we're having pain, when we've got struggle, when we've got stuff going in our head that seems like crazy, Jesus can say, me too. I get it. I went through that as well. And Jesus gets us. No other God made by human hands (laughs) or manufactured by people, only the true, real, living God, Jesus Christ, gets us in that deep, amazing way. And I love that. And so I started off with this. In the Old Testament, there's this story where God's speaking to the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was saying, I'm so angry, I'm so mad, I want to die. And God says, here's some food. Why don't you take a nap? That's a God who understands us. (laughs) That's a God who gets me. 
So never underestimate the spiritual power of food in a nap. And like for me, most every Sunday after church, I go get some food and I take a nap. That's my typical ritual of kind of recuperating. Um, but I, I love that story because it's a God who gets us. Because this was a God who put on flesh. Jesus took naps. He was taking one in the boat when the waves were going crazy and the disciples got mad at him because he was sleeping. Jesus understands the beauty of food. He fed 5,000. It's God who put on flesh and he gets us. He gets you and he gets me. He understands us. I started going. I forgot I can pull this off when I teach. Hold on just a minute. Okay. So this week, we are going to be in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. And as I mentioned, this is Jesus going before Pilate. If you remember from last week, Jesus was in front of Ananias, and then he took him to Caiaphas. And they were accusing him of all these things that he did, which we know Jesus didn't do. Um, and so this is the second part of that, where they take him from their Jewish legal system, and they're frustrated because they really want to kill Jesus. But under Jewish law, they couldn't do that because he didn't do anything that was worth death. So they found a way. <laughs> they took him into the Roman system. And under the Roman system, they were a lot more lenient about killing people. They killed lots of people. <laughs> the Romans were really good at killing people. That's one thing empire does really good is killing people. And the Roman Empire was really good at like imposing their will. So the Jewish leaders decided to use that for their benefit. Well, let's start off talking about Jesus. We try to do this every week. Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is literally all truth. And actually, he talks about that in the verse today. Jesus talks about this truth that he is. He is the primary, primary revelation of God's character to the world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life both now and forevermore. Let's jump into the text. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? I had to dig into this a little bit. Why would them going into the Roman palace make them unclean and then not able to take be part of Passover. And so I had to dig into this a little bit. So they had to do this early in the morning before 6 a.m. so that it wasn't part of the day. Houses of non-Jews, or at the very least idolaters, such as Pilate, were ritually impure. And so entering into the palace, his home, where he lived, entering into the home of an idolater would have made them unclean. And a religious Jew would contract this Gentile impurity and be able to not be able to participate in the Passover. 
I find this ironic because they're trying to find a way to kill Jesus. And at the same time, they're following their religious practices. Like they're, they're trying to find a way to, to illegally and immorally and by lying charge Jesus. But at the same time, they don't want to be unclean by entering Pilate's house, right? So they have to be careful about this. It's like, how many times do we religious people follow our traditional systems and beliefs while we're dead in the middle of completely abhorrent behavior? Like they were right in the middle of charging an innocent man and wanting him put to death, but I don't want to be unclean by associating with a Gentile because I still want to take Passover because that's how God and I stay connected. How many times have, has the church, has, has us really, have, have we done this very thing? I, I know a pastor, I had a pastor friend who I knew for years, um, and he um, was committing adultery while still running his church, sleeping with the mistress for three years. And the church was thriving. The church was doing really well. This was somebody I knew personally. So he was still doing all the stuff, praying, serving communion like we did this morning, going to bed with his wife at night, who he's married to, pastoring the church, probably counseling people with their marriage, all the things that, you know, pastors do. And at the same time, for three years, committing adultery. It's sobering. It should be sobering. On the flip side... What the Pharisees are doing here, and what we still do today, it's nothing new, right? It's like the Apostle Paul said, why is it that I do the things that I know I ought not do? <laughs> like, why can't I help myself from doing these things? But we should learn from that, right? We should take this story for ourselves and recognize just because you're doing the right religious things doesn't mean that your heart and God's heart are connected and intertwined. And our primary objective should always be for us to be in Jesus and Jesus to be in us. Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And our religious practices, prayer, communion, reading the word, Worship, all of these things, the purpose of them is to bring us to God, is to put us at the throne of God and draw us closer to God. It's not the practice itself that is holy, it's the one who's being looked upon, it's the one who's being us, who our attention is being directed to. God is holy, and then He makes us holy because of what He took care of for us on the cross.
So everything we do, all of our spiritual practices, which are good and right and things we should strive for and desire, I want to pray more. I want to worship more. I want to read the word more. I want to be with my fellow believers more. I want all of that because it brings me closer to God. But that should be my intent and my purpose, not the practice itself. When the practice itself supplants the one who's being worshipped, then it becomes an idol. Because it should be about Jesus. So let's learn from this story, guys. Let's learn from this story. Pilate asks, what are the charges? This is a normal question at the beginning of a trial, right? This was the trial. Pilate's like, what are the charges? The Jews had a really hard time answering this because <laughs> they didn't have an actual charge that would stand up in Roman court of law. So their response in this next verse is very telling. They dodge it. If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. What's his charge? Well, he's a criminal. That's his charge. Why else would we be here? I would not be wasting my time. Passover's tonight. We need to bring him to you because he's a criminal. Pilate said, take him yourselves then. Judge him by your own law. And here's where they explain why they bring him before Pilate. But we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. It says in the word. We can't kill him. And we want him dead. So we need you. <laughs> this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. So this was a fulfillment of scripture. But first, let's jump into this. Take him yourselves. In other words, no Roman charge, no Roman trial, no right to execute anyone. The Jews couldn't do it. They couldn't make these things happen on their own. They were looking for an execution. They had no desire for any kind of a fair trial whatsoever. They just wanted Jesus dead and out of the way because he was taking their power away from them, and they didn't like it. He had gotten too popular. Too many people were following him, and they couldn't, stay, they couldn't take it. He was taking their power away. These Jewish officials took what seemed to be mob action because they just didn't really have an interest in justice. See, when they mention the kind of death he was going to die, they're referring to the death on the cross. It was a specific way Jesus had to die to fulfill Scripture, and we're going to read those Scriptures. But G the Jewish execution was typically by stoning. But Jesus' death was to be by crucifixion. So then he would have the curse upon him that he'll speak about, and I'll, I'll read that passage in John the Romans, not the Jews, had to put Jesus to death to, to fulfill prophecy. God was overruling this whole normal process. Because by the normal process, the Jews wouldn't have even been able to try him because he didn't do anything wrong under Jewish law. And if they did kill him, it had to be by stoning. And since to fulfill Scripture, neither of those two things could happen, Jesus had to die at the hands of the Romans although it was the Jews who instigated his death. So let's read these two passages. In John 12, 32 through 33, Jesus says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. 
in Deuteronomy, which this all refers back to. If someone guilty of a capital offense is put to death and their body is exposed on a pole, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it that same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. And Jesus said he would be under the curse of God. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. See, Jesus had to die in a very specific way to fulfill prophecy. And it's incredible that thousands of years after this was written in Deuteronomy, that Jesus died that very same death. And when Jesus is referring to that he will be lifted up and that he will be cursed, the Jews understood. They knew the law. So they knew what Jesus was referring to. Us Gentiles, we're not, like, we don't have that context, right, unless we really kind of dig in and study it. So continuing on in John 18, 33 through 35, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate responded? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Pilate's question had meant, are you a rebel? When he asked if he's the king of the Jews. Because in the Roman Empire, they couldn't have other monarchs under Rome. It had to be Caesar. Caesar had to be the only law. He was the God king. He was both a deity and a a ruler of mortal earth. Caesar was all-encompassing. And there could be no other kings. If any king sought to rise up in Rome, they would squash him down. They would destroy them. And so Pilate was meaning, are you a rebel? If the question had originated with the Jews, it would mean, are you the messianic king? Are you Messiah? Are you the one who's come to deliver our people from oppression? So when Jesus was asking, is that your own idea? And Pilate responds, am I a Jew? I think Jesus was messing with him. (laughs) He's like, so have you guys ever had like somebody accuse you of something? And you're like, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, who, who's talking to, to you about me? Like, where is this? Like, I, I've, I've been tackled out of left field before myself. Um, you know, and so that's what, what Jesus is saying. Like, I, I'm here because you brought me here. <laughs> I didn't come here because I was bored on Passover. You know, like, I'm, I'm here because they brought me, like, in chains, Jesus said, continuing on in 36 and 37, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. 
Like I mentioned in the beginning, Jesus is talking here about that truth, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love how Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus agrees that he has a kingdom, but says that it's not the kind of kingdom that has soldiers to fight for it. It was not built, nor is it maintained by military might, money, power, or position. As his followers, when are we going to figure this out? Even the disciples, they thought Jesus was going to establish a physical kingdom with boundaries and on the earth, and he was going to rule over them as king. And Jesus corrected them over and over and over. And here he is doing the same thing to Pilate. I do have a kingdom, and it is not as small as Rome. It is not as small as Italy. It is not as small as all of Europe. It is not as small as the world. My kingdom has no borders. My kingdom has no barriers. My kingdom has no physical limits. My kingdom is not of this world. It is greater. And yet so many times, so many times, we're like trying to fight for mortal, physical, small power for God. Like he needs us for that. (laughs) Like somehow Jesus needs us to fight for him. One thing that struck me as Jesus was standing before Pilate, he didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to explain, well, when they mean king of the Jews, what it really means is this. Have you ever been in that position where you're being accused of something or somebody's talking like talking to you and you're like well if I can only use enough words you will understand that I'm not bad right if I can only use enough explaining then it will be okay Jesus stood before Pilate his character intact he didn't try to represent himself as anything other than he was How easy would it have been for Jesus to say he was not a king? Right? Because obviously he wasn't. It said that the the Son of Man had no place with which to leave and where to even lay his head. Like, what king doesn't even have a house? (laughs) Like, what king doesn't own chariots and horses and weapons? I mean, they had one weapon and it was Peter's and it got taken away anyway in the garden. And they had one weapon between all of them. Like, that wasn't God's kingdom. That wasn't Jesus' kingdom. And how easy would it have been to say, I'm not the kind of king you think I am. He didn't do that. He said, I am a king. I'm just not the kind of king you can understand. Jesus allowed his character, who he was, the man he knew he was, to stand without having to explain himself. And one of the challenges I think we have is, can we live our lives with such character, with the kind of character that we can stand and just say, this is who I am. This is the type of man or woman that I am. And just let that be our argument 
when we're accused. Like Jesus did. Pilate says in 38 and 39, what is truth? Well, that's a big question. The question we're still asking in 2021, isn't it? What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate's like this. Why are you bringing him to me? You say he's a criminal. I interrogated him. I asked him the questions. There's no charge. But he said, it is custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Jesus is giving them another chance to fix their sin. Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate is speaking to the Jews. Jesus said he's the king of the Jews. He admitted that. And so I feel like God is giving these Jewish leaders one more chance. Like they brought Jesus. They have a chance to release him. Have you guys ever been struggling with something in your life? Some way you've missed the mark, some way you failed, some place that you aren't matching up to the character that God has called in you. And God gives you another chance. And God gives you another chance. And God gives you another chance. God is the God of second, third, seven times 70 chances. God gives us chances over and over and over again. And I feel like in this moment that God was giving the Jews a chance to take it back, to correct what they knew was wrong, to make a different decision. But they don't. They were committed to the lie. They were committed to their lie. And they couldn't imagine changing the lie. They wanted what they wanted, which was Jesus dead. What is truth? Pilate might have been dismissive and meant, what does truth matter? Does the truth matter? I don't know that the truth matters. Or he might have been serious and saying, it's not easy to find truth. We don't know. I mean, I imagine Pilate was confused as heck. Like, here's all these Jewish leaders, here's these priests, here's this mob, they're bringing this guy before me, I interrogate the guy, seems like there's nothing wrong, you know, like it's, it's hard to suss out. What is it? Either way, it was clear to him that Jesus was no revel, because he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus' innocence is important. The fact that Christ was blameless and still sacrificed himself for us is important. And it's something that we should never lose sight of. 
Do you want me to release the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. The specific custom mentioned here is the sort of custom that the Romans were known to permit. So during a local festival, and this wasn't just for the Jews, this was for everyone that they subjugated under the empire of Rome. During a local festival, which Passover was the Jewish local festival, Romans tried to show preference to local populations, even with respect to executions, in order to keep the peace because that was the main job of an official like Pilate. See, they needed to keep the peace on all the, and with all the people that they subjected because money came and power came and position came as long as things were peaceful. The worst thing you could do as someone who was given a position of authority in Rome over a people is for there to be a rebellion. I was like, you die. Your heads literally roll if you're a Roman governor and there's an uprising underneath your command. And so they did this to appease the subjugated peoples, to make them feel like, here, look how benevolent we are, even though we've taken everything you own. We're giving you this. So Roman law had two different kinds of amnesty. There was the indulgentia, pardoning a condemned person. And closer to what Pilate probably has in mind here, he just he wanted to pardon him. He wasn't going to say he's innocent. He was just going to pardon him. So he'd set it aside. And the second one was the abolito, acquitting a person before judgment. So in other words, there wouldn't even be a judgment. There wouldn't even be a trial. They'd just let them go. They'd just release them. So these were kind of the two different ways that Roman law had under it that they could release somebody. So there were multiple paths for Jesus to be released. However, the Jewish mob said this. They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas actually took part in an uprising. (laughs) Barabbas was caught red-handed and guilty. Barabbas was in jail for a reason. Now, we can't judge them too harshly. Because how many times have we done something like this? Where it's like God says, here's, here's what's good and right and just and beautiful. And we're like, no, give me this. I, I want this. But God's like, but, but no, look, this... Like, this will be beautiful, and, and your life will be enriched, and you'll feel my love, and, and my spirit will be on you, and, 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 and you'll be in right standing with me. And we're like, but look, I want this. It's so shiny. How many times do we choose our, our sin, our ugly things, are things that don't matter as much over Jesus. How many times do we make that same choice that they're making here? I would rather have the Barabbas than what Jesus has for me. I would rather have the Barabbas than my King and my God. Lord, forgive us. We haven't learned a whole lot in thousands of years. (laughs) We're still the broken human people that needed a savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you were that. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us that free gift, that you took care of it for us. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy, 
Even when we choose Barabbas, you still show your love to us. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense by human standards. That divine love that God has for us. God has gifted us, for better or worse, with free will. For better or worse. And we want what we want, even when we can recognize that it's wrong. It's just choosing our way over God's. So what do you do with a man like Jesus, who claims to be God, yet hates religion? Jesus very clearly hated religion. Matter of fact, religious folks are the ones who put him on the cross. It, it wasn't the Gentiles. <laughs> it was his own people. And specifically the religious ruling class that put him on the cross. So what do you do with a man that knows the place and the time of his death and yet goes there anyway? You can reject him or you can accept him. You can journey with him. You can actively be listening for Jesus' voice among all the noise of our world. And I would encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you have never accepted the gift that we're going to learn about in a couple weeks that Jesus gave us on the cross, that this innocent man took on all of our garbage, all of our sin, all the times that we chose Barabbas. And he took that on himself and took it to the cross. If you've never accepted that free gift, I'm going to pray. And I'd like you to pray along with me. If we could just bow our heads. Jesus, I... I accepted your free gift a while ago, but I accept it again standing here today. Because I still screw up, and I still fail, and I still choose Barabbas over you. So Jesus, I accept the forgiveness that you freely extend to me. Jesus, I thank you. I give you praise, I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you my worship for what you did for me. I could never earn it in a hundred billion years. I could never earn what all you did for me, God. But Lord, I pray each and every day from this day forward that you would change me that you would make me more like you, second to minute to hour to day to week to years of my life, Lord God. Lord, each and every moment, would you be transforming me? Would you be making me more like you, God? Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to give you everything, Jesus. Lord, thank you for accepting me and for taking me just the way I am and loving me too much to leave me that way. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, I thank you that your character 
that your character is what saved me. Who you are saves me. Because you chose to stand before Pilate and afterwards go to the cross for my sake. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I'm forever grateful, God. Amen. Um, if you're somebody who's never really um, encountered Jesus in a personal way before, I um, would like to encourage you to reach out to one of us. Ryan, you guys can start making your way up. Thank you. Um, reach out to one of us, um, either through, if you're online, online, or in person here. Um, and we'd love to just talk to you a little bit more just about who Jesus is and what walking with him is like. It's the most amazing, incredible thing that you can ever do. Um, so bless you guys. Thank you. I am going to go bounce back, and we're going to have a little bit more worship.
We have one more song, and I've gone back and forth because it's kind of a stark, more celebratory song, and we're talking about the cross and stuff, but I feel like I'm supposed to play it. So last song, uh, sorry if it's jarring from the last one. <laughs> we're just going to go for it. Uh, Jesus, hey, if this is you, do something with it. So. 
you to say that we're needy. We're not ashamed to say that we're weak. We cry out because you are the remedy. Yeah, the remedy for our disease. You are great, but you are gracious. You are power, but you are patient. You got kindness in your heart for folks like us. You're a friend to the sinner. You keep the losers. You keep the winners. You call us sons. You call us daughters. Folks like us. And we need you like a baby needs its mother's love. Yeah, we need you like the morning needs the rising sun. Yeah, we need you like the future needs tomorrow to come. Yeah, we need you, God. We're not afraid to say that we're needy. We're not ashamed to say that we're weak. We cry out because you are the remedy. Yeah, the remedy for our disease. You are great, but you are gracious. You are power, but you are patient. You got kindness. In your heart for folks like us. You're a friend to the sinner. You keep the losers. You keep the winners. You call us sons. You call us daughters. Folks like us. And we need you like a baby needs its mother's love. Yeah, we need you like the morning needs the rising sun. Yeah, we need you like the future needs tomorrow to come. Yeah, we need you, God. Yeah, we need you, God. Oh, we need you. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. Oh, we need you like a baby needs its mother's love. Yeah, we need you like the morning needs the rising sun. Yeah, we need you like the future needs tomorrow to come. Yeah, we need you, God. Oh. Yeah, we need you, God.
need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. God in our minds. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken minds. We need you. God, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. We need you. Jesus, we need you. Um, I felt like the Lord was saying that somebody, not me, somebody has something that you feel like is from God, and maybe you haven't shared in church in a while. Um, but God's stirring something in your heart, and so the Lord's calling you out to share. Is there anybody? Annette? It could be more than one person, so if it's more than one person, we're down. We just want to do whatever it is the Holy Spirit's up to. So, so yesterday when I was driving my truck, a song came on the radio, and I don't even remember what the song was, but it was talking, somewhere in there was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. And it dawned on me that when Jesus died on the cross, they said the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when that happened, everybody that put him on the cross must have been thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? And if that had been the end of the story, we wouldn't be where we are today, but that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus let them kind of deal with what they had done for a few days. He let them go through the consequences of their actions for a few days, but then he rose from the dead and it changed everything. And so if we're going through something that we feel like, like there's no hope, Jesus rose from the dead. He couldn't have done anything bigger than that. And so I really, really want you to feel the hope of Jesus rather than the stain of guilt and shame. I want you to be able to feel the hope of Jesus. So it's funny. I, I love that, you know, that God can speak to many of us and be saying a lot of the same things. So I just really felt like God was saying, uh, well, it seems like uh, if, we, if you have felt that you have just been in a place where it's just never going to get better, have you ever experienced that? Where it's just not, you just, it's hard to have that hope. Uh, just in, in worship at the beginning of just the idea that God is endless, right? He is beyond the furthest thing. So he is, his power goes beyond all of those things. Um, so no matter how long it takes, God is there with us 
every step of the way and he sees us through and he is faithful and he is free. So he is there. He is endless. So if that resonated with you, um, I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand or anything. I want, I feel like what you're supposed to do is find somebody that you are comfortable with, with between what, what Annette said and what Chris was saying. Find somebody that you're comfortable with and have them pray with you. I want you to seek them out and have them pray with you. Um, was there anybody else? I kind of felt like there was one other th something. Is there anybody else who felt like you had something? No? Okay. That's all right. So I'm going to just bless us as we go. And um, again, if what Annette and Chris said or anything from the message on something to you, I, I feel like you're supposed to seek out somebody that you feel like you can trust and have them, ask them to pray with you. So, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask for your blessing, Jesus, over your people. Lord, would you bless us with your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, I asked um, before service as we were praying, um, God gave me this word malleable, which meant something that, and it was like this picture that I got was this really kind of wet, goopy clay, and God was like shaping it. And so, um, Lord, maybe that's for the rest of us. It wasn't just for us at preparing for worship this morning, but Lord, could we be malleable in your hands? Could we be easily shaped, Lord Jesus, by your hands and your will, God? Lord, I ask that we would be um, flexible and malleable so that we can look like you want us to look, not how we want to look, how you want us to look, God. So, Lord, I speak that blessing of flexibility, malleability, Lord, um, I ask that you would remove any rigidness or any kind of wall or barrier or fence that we put up between us and you, God. Lord, just tear them all down. Break down every wall. Break down every barrier. Release every chain that might be on us. Lord, pull out any hook that might be in our spirit, Lord God. Lord, I just ask for a release and freedom from all of those things in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we could be soft clay in your hands and trust you to form us the way we're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Bless you all. Have an incredible week and we will see you next Sunday.
Your spirit's like water to my Your word is a to my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus. Jesus, I love you. 
All right. We rolling? Kinda. Competing with my music. All right. Good morning, everybody. There's a lot, a lot of people in here. All right, so if you are new with us, welcome. I'm Ryan. This is Chris. This is Aaron. This is Aaron, who's also married to Aaron. And Aaron's not married. That we know of. So uh, we'll get started. All right, Jesus, we just ask for your presence here this morning. Um, we thank you for... Uh, for the, this community, for these people, um, I just pray that everybody here today, um, wherever we're at, that we hear your voice. Um, we feel your spirit. We just uh, just invite you to do whatever you want to do, God. But I pray that uh, nobody leaves without encountering you, even on some some level, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You can stand if you want to. Thanks, Annette. Solidarity. I appreciate it. Lift up your gaze, be lifted up. Tell everyone how great the love. The love come down from heaven's gates to kiss the earth with hope and grace. Sing, who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Lift up your hands, be lifted up. Let the redeemed declare the love. And we bow down at heaven's gate to kiss the feet of hope and grace. Sing, who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? There is one God. He is holy, there is one Lord, 
over everything. There is one King. He is Jesus, King of glory, strong and mighty. There is one God. He is holy. There is one Lord over everything. There is one King. He is Jesus, King of glory, strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty. You are the King of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. You are the King, glory. The Lord strong and mighty. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. Your faithfulness 
is our portion. You prepared a city bright and fair, whose gates forever stay open. Son of God, and you we've taken up the way of love's occupation. Oh, the joy to share in your reward, the stunning turn of new creation. Let all things rise and bless your name. All things may rise and new again. Let all things rise and bless your name. All things may rise and new again. Oh, Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless. It's reaching endless through it all. Just as you promised, God, your Son was in him we'll follow in him we'll all be raised oh lord you made yourself a heaven and earth forever one soul in weakness you raise in promise your beauty arches above it all let all things rise and bless your name all things may rise and new again Oh, Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless. It's reaching endless through it all. All right, Jesus, we thank you. That you're the, the God of the big picture um, beyond what we can comprehend. I just thank you that we, when we stop and we look, we can see, see your goodness, God. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Amen. Hopefully I'm on, testing one, two. I might need to give myself just a little bit of volume. Hold on. Uh, 
Um, this morning, we are going to have some communion. Remember Christ's sacrifice for us. Dave and Bob are getting that together for us. Thank you, guys. So I want to pray over the elements. Um, just so you guys know, they're all self-contained. So there's not the sharing of germs among us yet. That day will come. <laughs> it's coming soon. It's on the horizon. I feel it. So let's bless it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, God. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. All that you're currently doing for us and all that you will be doing for us in the future. Jesus, we praise you that the God we serve is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The God who was and is and forever will be. Lord, you spoke us into being. You spoke these elements into being. So, Lord, would you bless it? Lord, we take this communion in remembrance of the sacrifice that you made for us, God. Lord, we're talking about the beginnings of that in our text this morning. As you go to trial before Pilate and you stand before him, accused of something you didn't do. Jesus, conversely, we're, we've messed up. We've made mistakes. And you covered it all. Jesus, you did all the work. All we have to do is just say yes to you. So, Jesus, this morning we say yes to you. And we take this bread and we take this juice in remembrance of what you did for us, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was thinking this morning, kind of remembering back about it was, it was this time last year that stuff started happening. Um, I was looking at uh, some of my memories from last year, and I think next week is when stuff started to close down and stuff shut down. And so it's been almost a full year now that we've been in this kind of odd space, um, this time where the Lord, I feel like, I, so for those of you who don't know, we got a new little kitten. Um, Cormac named him Merlin. Um, I think his name should have been Loki because he's a little bit like wily and crafty and crazy. Um, but he he gets into things and he does stuff and he's just he's just this crazy little kitten. And sometimes he'll be like he'll like go upside down on my leg and like grab me and stuff. And so I grab him by the scruff of his neck because that's what mama cats and daddy cats do, is they grab them by the scruff of their neck, and I pull them off me, and I set him down. And whenever I do that, he sits there for a minute, and he's like, okay, I think I just got control. <laughs> I think I just got schooled. I think somebody bigger than me just got my attention. And I feel like this last year 
That's what the Lord has done with us. We were just kind of going along, doing our own thing, messing around, not really paying attention, doing church as usual, being followers of Jesus as usual, just kind of just going with stuff, going with the flow. And the Lord grabbed the whole world by the scruff of its neck and held it for a moment and stopped what we were doing and controlled us for just a bit and held us there. Said, pay attention. What have you been up to? What are you doing? What are you intending to do? Where are you going? And we have a choice. At that point, we can be like my little kitten and stop for a minute and then go on to ravage the next thing. (laughs) Or we can take this moment and this time and really hear what it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's showing us a new way. He's giving us a new path. He's opening up theology. He's opening up Scripture, he's opening up through his Holy Spirit. He's speaking a new word. He's, he's bringing new wine. And there's a scripture that talks about if you try to put new wine in an old wineskin, it'll burst and it'll break. And so I feel like it's incumbent on all of us to see if we have that new wineskin that can hold this new wine. Because if we use the old one, it's just going to burst. Because it's that whole fermentation process. I'll just blow it up. Because it can't contain what God's doing. And uh, this little thing I put up here. This last year I've had, um, I'll, I'll, you know, I've talked a couple of times on Sunday morning where I've wrestled with some depression and anxiety and fear and things that I've never wrestled with my whole life. It's just not who I am. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a little bit of a golden retriever. I'm just kind of, I go along, I'm happy. Hey, good to see you. Hey, I love you. Let me give you a lick or a hug. All right, you know, (laughs) dusty hug, golden retriever lick. Um, But, you know, that's just kind of generally my my demeanor is is that. And this last year, um, I just, I really wrestled with a lot of existential dread. Like, just that I've never wrestled with in my life before. And, um... So I, I noticed that, and I, and I, the reason I'm talking about this is because Jesus is going before Pontius Pilate in our text this morning, and he's standing accused before Pilate. And I imagine Jesus, who knew all this was coming, who in the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, if you would let this cup pass for me, I don't want to go through this. I imagine Jesus standing there before Pilate was feeling this existential dread because he knew what was coming. The amazing thing about our God is that he gets us and he knows us. And when we're going through something hard, when we're having pain, when we've got struggle, when we've got stuff going in our head that seems like crazy, Jesus can say, me too. I get it. I went through that as well. And Jesus gets us. No other God made by human hands, (laughs) are manufactured by people. Only the true, real, living God, Jesus Christ, gets us in that deep, amazing way. And I love that. 
And so I started off with this. In the Old Testament, there's this story where God's speaking to the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was saying, I'm so angry, I'm so mad, I want to die. And God says, here's some food. Why don't you take a nap? That's a God who understands us. <laughs> That's a God who gets me. So never underestimate the spiritual power of food in a nap. And like for me, most every Sunday after church, I go get some food and I take a nap. That's my typical ritual of kind of recuperating. Um, but I, I love that story because it's a God who gets us. Because this was a God who put on flesh. Jesus took naps. He was taking one in the boat when the waves were going crazy and the disciples got mad at him because he was sleeping. Jesus understands the beauty of food. He fed 5,000. It's God who put on flesh and he gets us. He gets you and he gets me. He understands us. I started going. I forgot I can pull this off when I teach. Hold on just a minute. Okay. So this week, we are going to be in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. And as I mentioned, this is Jesus going before Pilate. If you remember from last week, Jesus was in front of Ananias, and then he took him to Caiaphas. And they were accusing him of all these things that he did, which we know Jesus didn't do. Um, and so this is the second part of that, where they take him from their Jewish legal system, and they're frustrated because they really want to kill Jesus. But under Jewish law, they couldn't do that because he didn't do anything that was worth death. So they found a way. <laughs> they took him into the Roman system. And under the Roman system, they were a lot more lenient about killing people. They killed lots of people. <laughs> the Romans were really good at killing people. That's one thing empire does really good is killing people. And the Roman Empire was really good at like imposing their will. So the Jewish leaders decided to use that for their benefit. Well, let's start off talking about Jesus. We try to do this every week. Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is literally all truth. And actually, he talks about that in the verse today. Jesus talks about this truth that he is. He is the primary, primary revelation of God's character to the world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life both now and forevermore. Let's jump into the text. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? I had to dig into this a little bit. Why would them going into the Roman palace make them unclean and then not able to take be part of Passover? And so I had to dig into this a little bit. So they had to do this early in the morning before 6 a.m. so that it wasn't part of the day. 
Houses of non-Jews are at the very least idolaters, such as Pilate, were ritually impure. And so entering into the palace, his home, where he lived, entering the home of an idolater would have made them unclean. And a religious Jew would contract this Gentile impurity and be able to not be able to participate in the Passover. I find this ironic because they're trying to find a way to kill Jesus. And at the same time, they're following their religious practices. Like they're, they're trying to find a way to, to illegally and immorally and by lying charge Jesus. But at the same time, they don't want to be unclean by entering Pilate's house, right? So they have to be careful about this. It's like, how many times do we religious people follow our traditional systems and beliefs while we're dead in the middle of completely abhorrent behavior? Like they were right in the middle of charging an innocent man and wanting him put to death, but I don't want to be unclean by associating with a Gentile because I still want to take Passover because that's how God and I stay connected. How many times have, has the church, has, has us really, have, have we done this very thing? I, I know a pastor, I had a pastor friend who I knew for years um, and he um, was committing adultery while still running his church, sleeping with the mistress for three years. And the church was thriving. The church was doing really well. This was somebody I knew personally. So he was still doing all the stuff, praying, serving communion like we did this morning, going to bed with his wife at night, who he's married to, pastoring the church, probably counseling people with their marriage, all the things that, you know, pastors do. And at the same time, for three years, committing adultery. It's sobering. It should be sobering. On the flip side, what the Pharisees are doing here, and what we still do today, it's nothing new, right? It's like the Apostle Paul said, why is it that I do the things that I know I ought not do? <laughs> like, why can't I help myself from doing these things? But we should learn from that, right? We should take this story for ourselves and recognize just because you're doing the right religious things doesn't mean that your heart and God's heart are connected and intertwined. And our primary objective should always be for us to be in Jesus and Jesus to be in us. Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And our religious practices, prayer, communion, reading the word, worship, all of these things, the purpose of them is to bring us to God, is to put us at the throne 
of God and draw us closer to God. It's not the practice itself that is holy. It's the one who is being looked upon. It's the one who is being us, who our attention is being directed to. God is holy, and then he makes us holy because of what he took care of for us on the cross. So everything we do, all of our spiritual practices, which are good and right and things we should strive for and desire, I want to pray more. I want to worship more. I want to read the word more. I want to be with my fellow believers more. I want all of that because it brings me closer to God. But that should be my intent and my purpose, not the practice itself. When the practice itself supplants the one who's being worshipped, then it becomes an idol. Because it should be about Jesus. So let's learn from this story, guys. Let's learn from this story. Pilate asks, what are the charges? This is a normal question at the beginning of a trial, right? This was the trial. Pilate's like, what are the charges? The Jews had a really hard time answering this because <laughs> they didn't have an actual charge that would stand up in Roman court of law. So their response in this next verse is very telling. They dodge it. If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. What's his charge? Well, he's a criminal. That's his charge. Why else would we be here? I would not be wasting my time. Passover's tonight. We need to bring him to you because he's a criminal. Pilate said, take him yourselves then. Judge him by your own law. And here's where they explain why they bring him before Pilate. But we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. It says in the word. We can't kill him. And we want him dead. So we need you. <laughs> this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. So this was a fulfillment of scripture. But first let's jump into this. Take him yourselves. In other words, no Roman charge, no Roman trial, no right to execute anyone. The Jews couldn't do it. They couldn't make these things happen on their own. They were looking for an execution. They had no desire for any kind of a fair trial whatsoever. They just wanted Jesus dead and out of the way because he was taking their power away from them. And they didn't like it. He had gotten too popular. Too many people were following him. And they couldn't, stay, they couldn't take it. He was taking their power away. These Jewish officials took what seemed to be mob action because they just didn't really have an interest in justice. See, when they mentioned the kind of death he was going to die, they're referring to the death on the cross. It was a specific way Jesus had to die to fulfill Scripture, and we're going to read those Scriptures. But G the Jewish execution was typically by stoning. But Jesus' death was to be by crucifixion. So then he would have the curse upon him that he'll speak about, and I'll, I'll read that passage in John. The Romans, not the Jews, had to put Jesus to death to, to fulfill prophecy. God was overruling this whole normal process. Because by the normal process, the Jews wouldn't have even been able to try him because he didn't do anything wrong under Jewish law. And if they did kill him, it had to be by stoning. And since 
To fulfill Scripture, neither of those two things could happen. Jesus had to die at the hands of the Romans, although it was the Jews who instigated his death. So let's read these two passages. In John 12, 32-33, Jesus says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. In Deuteronomy, which this all refers back to, if someone guilty of a capital offense is put to death and their body is exposed on a pole, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it that same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. And Jesus said he would be under the curse of God. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. See, Jesus had to die in a very specific way to fulfill prophecy. And it's incredible that thousands of years after this was written in Deuteronomy, that Jesus died that very same death. And when Jesus is referring to that he will be lifted up and that he will be cursed, the Jews understood. They knew the law. So they knew what Jesus was referring to. Us Gentiles, we're not, like, we don't have that context, right, unless we really kind of dig in and study it. So continuing on in John 18, 33 through 35, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate responded? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Pilate's question had meant, are you a rebel, when he asked if he's the king of the Jews. Because in the Roman Empire, they couldn't have other monarchs under Rome. It had to be Caesar. Caesar had to be the only law. He was the God king. He was both a deity and a a ruler of mortal earth. Caesar was all-encompassing. And there could be no other kings. If any king sought to rise up in Rome, they would squash them down. They would destroy them. And so Pilate was meaning, are you a rebel? If the question had originated with the Jews, it would mean, are you the messianic king? Are you Messiah? Are you the one who's come to deliver our people from oppression? So when Jesus was asking, is that your own idea? And Pilate responds, am I a Jew? I think Jesus was messing with him. (laughs) He's like, so have you guys ever had like somebody accuse you of something? And you're like, where is this coming from? (laughs) Like who, who's talking to, to you about me? Like, where is this? Like, I've, I've been tackled out of left field before myself. Um, You know, and so that's what, what Jesus is saying. Like, I, I'm here because you brought me here. I didn't come here because I was bored on Passover. You know, like I'm I'm here because they brought me like in chains. Jesus said, continuing on in 36 and 37, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, 
said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Like I mentioned in the beginning, Jesus is talking here about that truth, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love how Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus agrees that he has a kingdom, but says that it's not the kind of kingdom that has soldiers to fight for it. It was not built, nor is it maintained by military might, money, power, or position. As his followers, when are we going to figure this out? Even the disciples, they thought Jesus was going to establish a physical kingdom with boundaries and on the earth, and he was going to rule over them as king. And Jesus corrected them over and over and over. And here he is doing the same thing to Pilate. I do have a kingdom. And it is not as small as Rome. It is not as small as Italy. It is not as small as all of Europe. It is not as small as the world. My kingdom has no borders. My kingdom has no barriers. My kingdom has no physical limits. My kingdom is not of this world. It is greater. And yet so many times, so many times, we're like trying to fight for mortal, physical, small power for God. Like he needs us for that. (laughs) Like somehow Jesus needs us to fight for him. One thing that struck me as Jesus was standing before Pilate, he didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to explain, well, when they mean king of the Jews, what it really means is this. Have you ever been in that position where you're being accused of something or somebody's talking, like, talking to you and you're like, well, if I can only use enough words, you will understand that I'm not bad, right? If I can only use enough explaining, then it will be okay. Jesus stood before Pilate, his character intact. He didn't try to represent himself as anything other than he was. He, how easy would it have been for Jesus to say he was not a king? Right? Because obviously he wasn't. It said that the, the Son of Man had no place with which to leave and where to even lay his head. Like, what king doesn't even have a house? <laughs> like, what king doesn't own chariots and horses and weapons? I mean, they had one weapon, and it was Peter's, and it got taken away anyway in the garden. And they had one weapon between all of them. Like, that wasn't God's kingdom. That wasn't Jesus' kingdom. And how easy would it have been to say, I'm not the kind of king you think I am. But he didn't do that. He said, I am a king. I'm just not the kind of king you can understand. Jesus allowed his character, who he was, the man he knew he was, to stand without having to explain himself. 
And one of the challenges I think we have is, can we live our lives with such character, with the kind of character that we can stand and just say, this is who I am. This is the type of man or woman that I am. And just let that be our argument when we're accused. Like Jesus did. Pilate says in 38 and 39, what is truth? Well, that's a big question. The question we're still asking in 2021, isn't it? What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate's like this. Why are you bringing him to me? You say he's a criminal. I interrogated him. I asked him the questions. There's no charge. But he said, it is custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Jesus is giving them another chance to fix their sin. Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate is speaking to the Jews. Jesus said he's the king of the Jews. He admitted that. And so I feel like God is giving these Jewish leaders one more chance. Like they brought Jesus. They have a chance to release him. (laughs) Have you guys ever been struggling with something in your life? Some way you've missed the mark, some way you failed, some place that you aren't matching up to the character that God has called in you. And God gives you another chance. And God gives you another chance. And God gives you another chance. God is the God of second, third, seven times 70 chances. God gives us chances over and over and over again. And I feel like in this moment that God was giving the Jews a chance to take it back, to correct what they knew was wrong, to make a different decision. But they don't. They were committed to the lie. They were committed to their lie. And they couldn't imagine changing the lie. They wanted what they wanted, which was Jesus dead. What is truth? Pilate might have been dismissive and meant, what does truth matter? Does the truth matter? I don't know that the truth matters. Or he might have been serious and saying, it's not easy to find truth. We don't know. I mean, I imagine Pilate was confused as heck. Like, here's all these Jewish leaders, here's these priests, here's this mob, they're bringing this guy before me, I interrogate the guy, seems like there's nothing wrong, you know, like it's, it's hard to suss out. What is it? Either way, it was clear to him that Jesus was no rebel, because he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus' innocence 
is important. The fact that Christ was blameless and still sacrificed himself for us is important. And it's something that we should never lose sight of. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. The specific custom mentioned here is the sort of custom that the Romans were known to permit. So during a local festival, and this wasn't just for the Jews, this was for everyone that they subjugated under the empire of Rome. During a local festival, which Passover was the Jewish local festival, Romans tried to show preference to local populations, even with respect to executions, in order to keep the peace. Because that was the main job of an official like Pilate. See, they needed to keep the peace on all the, in, with all the people that they subjected because money came and power came and position came as long as things were peaceful. The worst thing you could do as someone who was given a position of authority in Rome over a people is for there to be a rebellion. I was like, you die. Your heads literally roll if you're a Roman governor and there's an uprising underneath your command. And so they did this to appease the subjugated peoples, to make them feel like, here, look how benevolent we are, even though we've taken everything you own. We're giving you this. So Roman law had two different kinds of amnesty. There was the indulgentia, pardoning a condemned person. And closer to what Pilate probably has in mind here, he just he wanted to pardon him. He wasn't going to say he's innocent. He was just going to pardon him. So he'd set it aside. And the second one was the abolito, acquitting a person before judgment. So in other words, there wouldn't even be a judgment. There wouldn't even be a trial. They'd just let them go. They'd just release them. So these were kind of the two different ways that Roman law had under it that they could release somebody. So there were multiple paths for Jesus to be released. However, the Jewish mob said this. They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas actually took part in an uprising. <laughs> Barabbas was caught red-handed and guilty. Barabbas was in jail for a reason. Now, we can't judge them too harshly. Because how many times have we done something like this? Where it's like God says, here's, here's what's good and right and just and beautiful. And we're like, no, give me this. I, I want this. But God's like, but, but no, look, this... Like, this will be beautiful, and, and your life will be enriched, and you'll feel my love, and, and my spirit will be on you, and, 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 and you'll be in right standing with me. And we're like, but look, I want this. It's so shiny. How many times do we choose our, our sin, our ugly things, are things that don't matter as much over Jesus. How many times do we make that same choice that they're making here? I would rather have the Barabbas than what Jesus has for me. I would rather have the Barabbas than my King and my God. Lord, forgive us. 
we haven't learned a whole lot in thousands of years. <laughs> We're still the broken human people that needed a savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you were that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us that free gift, that you took care of it for us. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Even when we choose Barabbas, you still show your love to us. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense by human standards. That divine love that God has for us. God has gifted us, for better or worse, with free will. For better or worse. And we want what we want, even when we can recognize that it's wrong. It's just choosing our way over God's. So what do you do with a man like Jesus, who claims to be God, yet hates religion? Jesus very clearly hated religion. Matter of fact, religious folks are the ones who put him on the cross. It, it wasn't the Gentiles. <laughs> it was his own people. And specifically the religious ruling class that put him on the cross. So what do you do with a man that knows the place and the time of his death and yet goes there anyway? You can reject him or you can accept him. You can journey with him. You can actively be listening for Jesus' voice among all the noise of our world. And I would encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you have never accepted the gift that we're going to learn about in a couple weeks that Jesus gave us on the cross, that this innocent man took on all of our garbage, all of our sin, all the times that we chose Barabbas. And he took that on himself and took it to the cross. If you've never accepted that free gift, I'm going to pray. And I'd like you to pray along with me. If we could just bow our heads. Jesus, I... I accepted your free gift a while ago, but I accept it again standing here today. Because I still screw up, and I still fail, and I still choose Barabbas over you. So Jesus, I accept the forgiveness that you freely extend to me. Jesus, I thank you. I give you praise, I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you my worship for what you did for me. I could never earn it in a hundred billion years. I could never earn what all you did for me, God. But Lord, I pray each and every day from this day forward that you would change me that you would make me more like you, second to minute to hour to day to week to years of my life, Lord God. Lord, each and every moment, would you be transforming me? Would you be making me more like you, God? Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to give you everything, Jesus. Lord, thank you for accepting me and for taking me just the way I am. 
and loving me too much to leave me that way. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, I thank you that your character that your character is what saved me. Who you are saves me. Because you chose to stand before Pilate and afterwards go to the cross for my sake. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I'm forever grateful, God. Amen. Um, if you're somebody who's never really... Um, encountered Jesus in a personal way before, I um, would like to encourage you to reach out to one of us. Ryan, you guys can start making your way up. Thank you. Um, reach out to one of us, um, either through, if you're online, online, or in person here. Um, and we'd love to just talk to you a little bit more just about who Jesus is and what walking with him is like. It's the most amazing, incredible thing that you can ever do. Um, so bless you guys. Thank you. I am going to go bounce back and we're going to have a little bit more worship.
All right. We have one more song, and I've gone back and forth because it's kind of a stark, more celebratory song, and we're talking about the cross and stuff, but I feel like I'm supposed to play it. So last song, uh, sorry if it's jarring from the last one. <laughs> we're just going to go for it. Uh, Jesus, say, hey, if this is you, do something with it. So. Yeah, the remedy for our disease. You are great, but you are gracious. You are power, but you are patient. You got kindness in your heart for folks like us. You're a friend to the sinner. You keep the losers, you keep the winners. You call us sons. You call us daughters, folks like us. And we need you like a baby needs its mother's love. Yeah, we need you like the morning needs the rising sun. Yeah, we need you like the future needs tomorrow to come. Yeah, we need you, God. We're not afraid to say that we're needy. We're not ashamed to say that we're weak. We cry out because you are the remedy. Yeah, the remedy for our disease. You are great, but you are gracious. You are power, but you are patient. You got kindness in your heart for folks like us. You're a friend to the sinner. You keep the losers, you keep the winners. You call us sons, you call us daughters, folks like us. And we need you like a baby needs its mother's love. Yeah, we need you like the morning needs. The rising sun. Yeah, we need you like the future needs tomorrow to come. Yeah, we need you, God. Yeah, we need you, God. Oh, we need you. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. 
in our minds we need you god we need you god we need you to come and heal our broken minds we need you god we need you god we need you god we need you to come and heal our broken hearts we need you We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you to come and heal our broken hearts. We need you. We need you. Jesus, we need you. Um, I felt like the Lord was saying that somebody, not me, somebody has something that you feel like is from God, and maybe you haven't shared in church in a while. Um, but God's stirring something in your heart, and so the Lord's calling you out to share. Is there anybody? Annette? It could be more than one person, so if it's more than one person, we're down. We just want to do whatever it is the Holy Spirit's up to, so. So yesterday when I was driving my truck, a song came on the radio, and I don't even remember what the song was, but it was talking, somewhere in there was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. And it dawned on me that when Jesus died on the cross, they said the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when that happened, everybody that put him on the cross must have been thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? And if that had been the end of the story, we wouldn't be where we are today, but that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus let them kind of deal with what they had done for a few days. He let them go through the consequences of their actions for a few days, but then he rose from the dead. And it changed everything. And so if we're going through something that we feel like, like there's no hope, Jesus rose from the dead. He couldn't have done anything bigger than that. And so I really, really want you to feel the hope of Jesus rather than the stain of guilt and shame. 
I want you to be able to feel the hope of Jesus. So it's funny. I, I love that, you know, that God can speak to many of us and be saying a lot of the same things. So I just really felt like God was saying, uh, well, it seems like uh, if we, if you have felt that you have just been in a place where it's just never going to get better, have you ever experienced that? Where it's just not, you just, it's hard to have that hope. Uh, just in, in worship at the beginning of just the idea that God is endless, right? He is beyond the furthest thing. So he is, his power goes beyond all of those things. Um, so no matter how long it takes, God is there with us every step of the way. And he sees us through and he is faithful and he is free. So he is there. He is endless. So if that resonated with you, um, I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand or anything. I want. I feel like what you're supposed to do is find somebody that you are comfortable with, with between what, what Annette said and what Chris was saying. Find somebody that you're comfortable with and have them pray with you. I want you to seek them out and have them pray with you. Um, was there anybody else? I kind of felt like there was one other th something. Is there anybody else who felt like you had something? No? Okay. That's all right. So I'm going to just bless us as we go. And um, again, if what Annette and Chris said or anything from the message meant something to you, I, I feel like you're supposed to seek out somebody that you feel like you can trust and have them, ask them to pray with you. So, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask for your blessing, Jesus, over your people. Lord, would you bless us with your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, I asked um, before service as we were praying, um, God gave me this word malleable, which meant something that, and it was like the picture that I got was this really kind of wet, goopy clay, and God was like shaping it. And so, um, Lord, maybe that's for the rest of us. It wasn't just for us at preparing for worship this morning, but Lord, could we be malleable in your hands? Could we be easily shaped, Lord Jesus, by your hands and your will, God? Lord, I ask that we would be um, flexible and malleable so that we can look like you want us to look, not how we want to look, how you want us to look, God. So, Lord, I speak that blessing of flexibility, malleability, Lord, um, I ask that you would remove any rigidness or any kind of wall or barrier or fence that we put up between us and you, God. Lord, just tear them all down. Break down every wall. Break down every barrier. Release every chain that might be on us. Lord, pull out any hook that might be in our spirit, Lord God. Lord, I just ask for a release and freedom from all of those things in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we could be soft clay in your hands and trust you to form us the way we're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Bless you all. Have an incredible week and we will see you next Sunday.